What's going on, you lovely and lusty lemurs? Welcome to this week's episode of Total Pod Mode. My name is James, also known as Mr. Bames, and I'm joined once again, as always, by the wondrous Will, also known as Hoodafunk. What's up, guys? Good to be back for another week. And what have we got going on this week, I hear you ask? Well, we've got the usual catch-up. We've got some news, some major leaks happening this week, along with a bit of switch port nonsense, and then a change to a much-beloved game mode in one of the biggest franchises in the world. Rounding out the episode, we've got the Games Challenge, where once again it was me up to the plate, taking on a Minecraft challenge set for me by Will last week. But before we get into all that, let's hit them socials. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on X by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on X, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on X at Mr. Bames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore. Or TPM. So Will, let's get this catch-up going. What did you play this week, man? So this week, I actually spent quite a bit of time going back into Armored Core 6 and both trying to earn a bit more currency in terms of the arena modes. I'm currently like a, an O1 S rank fighter anyway, so I've kind of got to the top of the leagues there. But they are quite useful in terms of earning the currency in the game, which you can then use to just buy more parts. And seeing as I completed the game previously, I've also pushed on to New Game Plus this week, where I've been experimenting a little bit with just how they vary up the campaign. And it's had some really interesting results so far. Oh yeah, what sort of results are we talking about? So in terms of gameplay, there are some missions that are just brand new missions that will come in throughout certain points in the campaign. However, during some of the missions that you play towards the start of the game, which is mostly what I'll focus on, is mostly what I've been playing this week, you'll actually find that you will be provided with a choice that you weren't on your initial playthrough, where you can suddenly uh, betray the teammates that you're with. Okay. I should just kind of explain that essentially the story of Armored Core is about various factions in the world striving in a resource war that was as a result of a past historic resource war. It's kind of like a, a cyclical uh, thing going on with a, uh, a certain energy source, which I won't really go into too much, but uh, this energy source in the company is what various factions are fighting over in terms of research they're trying to progress their own technology to win this kind of resource war initially and throughout the game you work as a lone mercenary being accompanied via radio calls by your handler who goes by the name of walter and typically you'll start and you'll be switching between the factions sometimes you're doing a mission for a faction called balaam uh, another time you'll be doing a mission for a faction called arquebus and there's various kind of subsidiary corporations as well that you can action missions on their behalf but a lot of these missions that you'll be going on actually feature factions that are directly competing with each other. So you're a bit of a kind of double agent in terms of the people that you choose to work for. Well, assuming you betray them, of course. If you don't betray them, there's no double agency, right? Well, actually, even your initial playthrough, you're still switching between the factions because, as I say, you are working as a mercenary, so you're not particularly... Oh, you mean across multiple missions, sorry. I thought you meant in the same mission. I see what you mean. Yeah. Uh, yes, so it, it does actually happen across multiple missions. There are certain sections where you will have to make a decision between story missions but then there is this additional bit in new game plus where you'll actually sometimes be presented with an option during a mission that you didn't get before you'll receive a call over the radio and it may be another rival faction that has asked you to betray them all and they'll double your pay for instance and when that gets triggered you essentially enter kind of almost like a mini boss fight it's, it's 
almost a proper boss fight in terms of difficulty really because that is content in the game that isn't accessible on your first playthrough so they do make sure that despite the fact that i'm early on in the beginning of the game there is this massive damage spike if i choose to do something against the grain of what i did initially uh, and i think that that's the thing that kind of satisfies a new game player because you don't go into those things and absolutely storm your way through at least not in my experience. Oh, fair. So it's a way to add some difficulty whilst also switching up the story. That's quite cool. Yeah, and it gives you kind of alternate ways that the storyline can play out. And I can only assume that that will just follow on through. As I mentioned previously, there are multiple endings to this game. And I do wonder if playing through on this new game plus will be a way to unlock a third, much more difficult to achieve ending, ultimately. Fair play. And are the endings, that, well, in your experience so far at least, is the ending based on the faction you pick or is it more complicated than that? Obviously without getting into spoiler territory. It's slightly more complicated than that, but that's essentially what it boils down to there are kind of more story elements that would affect your decision more than just kind of which guys you like the most i guess but uh at the same time that is essentially what it boils down to yes you pick a side very nice anything else you new you've experienced in new game plus new weapons maybe or new pieces of like armor or mech parts or anything like that yeah so getting those is possible in the game as well because after doing some of those special missions that you get on your new game plus run through you can unlock certain data pads and those data pads once you've collected enough can actually go on to earn you additional bits of armor uh, generators weapons and the like and also going back through some of those missions i'm finding chests that contain weapons that i didn't find on my first run through so i'm definitely seeing a benefit in terms of additional weapons weapons and things to use and attach to my mech but nothing specific for new game plus that's all stuff you could have gotten before had you explored more sort of thing i'm not entirely certain to be honest with you i, I can imagine that there will come to a certain point where there are things that you can only achieve through new game plus because of the fact that there are specific data pads that you get by taking a certain scenario that wasn't available to you initially so that could potentially then boost the amount of things that you can find yeah that makes sense but at the same time i'm kind of still in the early days of new game plus there's still a lot for me to discover and i'll probably fill in that next week at some point but one thing i did want to mention is also i've actually gone ahead and uh painstakingly taken the time to create the total pop mode logo available in armored core 6 now and uh if you go ahead and check our X account, you'll be able to see a nice little screenshot of the TPM droid uh, that I typically take into some of the PvP. And yeah, I've got to say the logo creator in that is tenfold easier than Grand Theft Auto V, thank God. <laughs> it took me about half an hour, 45 minutes to create the TPM logo uh, in Armored Core 6. Whereas compared to GTA V, I think that took me about three to four hours <laughs> of like painstaking lining up of pixels and things. <laughs> well, yes, and uh, if any of our listeners or viewers are interested in that, on, on the X post, I believe there's also a little code on it that uh, you can input into the game to get the logo yourself. So there you go. That's right, yeah. If anyone wants to daub themselves up in some TPM, you want to represent the TPM crew at Armored Core, knock yourselves out. Knock it! The other thing that I touched on earlier that I just want to speak a little bit more about is I've been playing with some of the PvP, uh, just with a couple of mates, uh, with Gem and Liam, shower guys, and I've been having a really good time playing with them in the 1v1s, but what I found more enjoyable is actually some of the team battles. We've been able to strike up a server where it's a team of three versus another team of three, and you're just having these kind of large-scale armoured core gundam battles. It does get very hectic, I will admit, because you can have quite a varied squad. You can have a guy that essentially can just infinitely fly in the air and constantly be casting down homing missiles and the various other heavy artillery stuff. Given the mechanics of this game and the fact that you have a respawn timer when you die, it's very easy to quickly snowball a team. If you take out one that's doing a lot of damage, 
then you've got three against two. Three against two very quickly becomes three v one. And if you do that quickly and with enough skill, you can just kind of consistently squad wipe your way through. So I think that it might need a little bit of work in terms of maybe delaying when you respawn or something like that. Something to prevent people from just kind of ending up in this scenario where if you get the timing right of your eliminations, you can just kind of guarantee that you'll be facing three v twos. It takes a lot of skill to do that, or it takes uh, easy scrubs uh, like us to do that to us. <laughs> but that was one thing I was discovering was that uh, that it would be a bit of a snowball effect, whereas if one of us went down and then another one of us went down, by the time the first player that had died came back, it was already too late, and you just kind of rarely encountered the scenario once you're on the back foot where it's an equal 3v3. Right, right. And how does it work um, connectivity-wise? Obviously, Elden Ring's got issues. Or had. I haven't tried Elden Ring multiplayer in a long time, to be fair, but uh, how's this? This seems much more stable. Um, I've occasionally had spots of lag uh, where uh, the players seem to kind of do a lot of moves in a very quick flurry, almost as if they were catching up to what they should have done a few seconds ago. Right. But it seems very stable in terms of there are no disconnects that I've experienced. For the most part, it's stable in terms of the lag. You just get occasional spikes here and there. That, to me, is quite similar to some of the older FromSoft games in terms of their netcode. It's, it's never been the best, let's be honest. But this seems like a, a big step forward in terms of a, a dedicated multiplayer experience in comparison to some of FromSoft's previous titles where it always kind of feels like an afterthought in terms of actually having PvP. In my opinion, uh, and I know it's probably not shared by everyone, but I, I never really feel like those games have been properly ready for PvP, just in terms of their netcode. But this feels like the best it's been, I'll be honest. Fair. Well, that's always good to hear. But other than having a little quick stomp through on the PvP and playing some New Game Plus, that's pretty much been me for the week, man. What about yourself? What have you been playing? Uh, quite nice and easy for me. Uh, obviously, we spoke very briefly last week about the 20 minutes or so I'd put into Lies of P. Uh, take it that's increased dramatically now? Uh, significantly, yeah. yeah. Um, mainly because I got to a certain boss and had to start again because my build was wrong. Um, so that killed the, about 10 hours and then I had to start again. I say had to. I didn't have to, probably, if I chose to. Was this you wanted to kind of adopt a different playstyle for this boss, or was it more that your current playstyle wasn't working for that boss? Or I hadn't committed enough points to stamina to be able to do the boss effectively. Fine, okay. I was, I was rocking stamina 8, which is like the base okay. that <laughs> yeah. my build had, and uh, it was working super well up to that point, but then this boss, um, without going too much into spoiler territory, phase 2 is just super quick so you need to either be blocking a lot or dodging a lot and i was just running out of gas and just getting destroyed so it was painful but uh i think it was eight thousand souls or so it's called ergo but souls to level up at that point and grinding eight thousand souls for the probably additional eight at least points i would have needed in stamina it's not gonna happen so i just decided it best to start again but aside from that i've uh, and even up to that point to be honest i've been having the best time man it is incredibly fun so in terms of play style because you're probably wondering a little bit how it works because obviously it's clearly based off like from soft and if you see anything online everyone's saying it's the bloodborne port on pc that everyone's been looking for <laughs> i've got to say from the footage that i've seen of it so far it it, it does resemble that at a surface level quite a bit yeah <laughs> uh i don't know if i'd agree with that 100 percent. there's definitely elements to that but for me it's a little bit of all of them so ultimately it plays probably the most like Bloodborne, but the combat is a little bit more souls. It has Bloodborne's quick step rather than the dodging mechanic, although you can still dodge roll and stuff. Right, yeah. But its blocking system is more akin to Sekiro. Oh, is it like a block and a parry with the same button? Well, you don't really parry. 
but you can get perfect blocks that don't take off any health and only remove your stamina. And in the timing of that and the way it works, is it reminded me more of Sekiro than anything else. Fine. Okay. Is it because the enemies attack you with large flurried attacks or? Well, no, it's just the way that it that you block. So you don't have a parry button like you would in Dark Souls and you don't have anything even remotely like the gun parry from Bloodborne. But when you block, you can do just a normal block, which takes off some of your health but it kind of works like bloodborne in the sense that you still have a thin health bar that will eventually start decreasing but if you hit the enemies you'll gain some of your health back oh right you've got that kind of vampirism thing going on that was cool that sort of thing yeah it's called guard regain in this but then as i say when you perfect block you don't parry them it doesn't stagger the other person's attack necessarily although with some mobs it can break their weapon which is kind of cool but it just feels like Sekiro in terms of the timing of it you're using left bumper l1 to do it so it will just feel it just clicks like that and enemies have a poise that you can break in this game or is it more just based on their health bar so there isn't a posture bar like there is in Sekiro, but if you hit an enemy enough times or get enough perfect blocks, might be normal blocks as well, but I think it's just perfect blocks, then they will get a white border around their health bar. And if you do a charge attack after that, it opens them up to a critical attack, not dissimilar to a riposte in Dark Souls. But there's way less staggering in this game than any of the Souls games, even with big heavy weapons. Much to my chagrin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and as far as I can tell, there's no poise. I, I, maybe I just haven't found it, but I, I don't think there's a way to increase poise, so... You're always getting staggered. Well, you well, man, it's ridiculous, yeah. But I've had to adopt a slightly different playstyle to it. But then Bloodborne didn't have poise, so it's the same sort of thing in that regard. But story-wise, it's excellent. I'm not going to talk about it, obviously, because it's new, so I don't want to spoil anything. I'm not quite sure how lies are going to work in it yet. I, there's obviously been loads of situations where I could lie or couldn't lie. Right, right. Um, and I'm doing a sort of neutral playthrough i'm just doing what i feel i want to do at the time so i don't know how it's going to affect it the only thing i've seen is a very very minor spoiler it doesn't affect the story at all i don't think but you find a portrait of yourself that was painted by a d gray d gray dorian gray it's the oh reference. okay right yeah but it's literally painted by a d gray so they don't get sued and uh at some point you put it up in the hub world basically it's a hotel and uh the more you lie your nose grows in the portrait <laughs> all right okay okay so that but that's the only thing i've seen so far where it's actually a noticeable that's the, thing the effect <laughs> right yeah, yeah. I, I mean i think there is another effect um that i don't know if i should say because i don't know if it's a spoiler but uh i i haven't seen enough of it yet to see if it actually has an impact on the gameplay or not all right then keep your secrets but yeah the, the combat's smooth uh, it plays really well i have seen some like the odd comment here and there about poor optimization and having problems with bugs and stuff but i think it's so minor and credit to NeoWiz, the um developers They've been putting out statements saying, yeah, we're aware of these bugs. Here's the potential fixes. If they still don't work, email this dedicated Lies of P support email address and we'll get it sorted for you. They seem to be taking it really seriously. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of this is a, uh, a game that they want to make a good impression on. And uh, it's good that they're kind of stepping out there to actually do that and addressing things quickly as well, it sounds. Oh, yeah, man. I, it seems, as I say, I've not had any issues, but it seems like they're being very, very on point with it. They were very, very quick with messaging about certain people having issues with the early access downloads, seeing all those notifications on Steam, putting it out there. And uh, I can see why. I mean, they're clearly very proud of their game and they should be. Uh, I'm fucking loving it so far. It's tough. Won't lie to you. It's very tough. But... I don't know how much that is, just I'm still getting used to it potentially because I'm still playing it a little bit 
basically not as cautiously as I should. Because as I said, when I played um, the last Lords of the Fallen game, since I completed Neo, I, I don't really, I'm not scared of these games anymore. Yeah, you're just going in aggressive. Yeah, but this game's making me um, revisit that a little bit. Like, I'm right. still not scared and I know I'm going to beat it, but I have to be a little bit less gung-ho, which is great. It's good to be challenged and to switch out. So what is the actual class that you're playing as? What's your focus? What's your weapons that you're using? What's going on there? Okay, so I said last week that I started as a strength build. You did, yeah. And that's the one that I had to... I basically had like 40... It's called motivity, but 40 strength. Um, I think I had about 28 vitality and a little bit in capacity. And as I said, I had no stamina. So what I did is I started again, and instead of doing a strength build, I'm essentially doing a dex build, but it's called technique rather than dexterity. Okay, yeah, yeah. In terms of weapons, doesn't really affect what you can use. You can use any weapon in the game. There's no stat requirements for weapons, as far as I can see. But obviously you still have the scales um, with motivity, um, technique, or the arcane equivalent, which is called advance. Right, okay. And I'm using a, um, it's kind of like a cutlass, Okay, yeah, yeah, nice. Obviously, you know this game has uh, the weapon system where you can detach the hilts and the blades and you can sort of mix and mash stuff. Yeah, so that was something that we talked about quite a while back on the pod and I was initially really excited to hear about. Um, something I'm still really excited to test when I get hold of this myself. Yeah, so basically what it is is you can have any blade on any hilt on normal weapons. Special weapons, you can't dismantle them, which is probably fair enough. And uh, it is kind of what we speculated. So you could have a great sword's hilt with the great sword move set with a much lighter blade. <laughs> with like a dagger. Yeah, you could. Or with an axe head, if you really wanted. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. But there's two stats on the blade part, which is slash and stab. So, you know, pointy weapons and slashy weapons. Yeah, sure. And if you try, like, for example, if you had a dagger's hilt and you tried to put um, a giant hammer on the top of it, the dagger moveset is a stabby moveset and the hammer will be spec to slash. So you'll do a lot less damage than you perhaps could be doing. But if you really wanted to do that, you could just poke people with a blunt hammer until they die. Well, I mean, yeah, I think at the essence, that's exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Comparing it to something like Tears of the Kingdom is probably going too far, but it does represent a lot of the same things, that you've got that freedom to make something super ineffective if you want to, just to f*** around. Yeah. But... You know, ultimately, in the end of the day, yeah, it's foolish to be treating a hammer like a spear. Uh, so, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but the option's there, and that's awesome to me. Yeah, and it's really cool, and, and I've found quite a variety of weapons. I, pro- I reckon I'm probably about halfway through the game, give or take, and I've found a, like, a huge variety of weapons. Daggers, great swords, normal one-handed swords, a fucking huge wrench, like, <laughs> all right, okay, arms. that's cool. Like, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff, a fire axe, uh, and... I'm sure there's more to come, you know? But I've got to say, it's not all roses. It's not all positive. Uh, There's very little negative, I've got to say. Um, There's just a couple of things where they've done... They've made decisions that I don't think is particularly great. So there's one boss where you can clearly, visually, run through his legs, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's an invisible wall blocking you from doing so. Right, okay. And there's another boss before that where you can run through their legs, right? So it's not like the game doesn't have precedent of being able to do that before. Yeah. And I think I can see why they've done it. The It's a phase one of a boss where this happens and uh, it would make phase one completely trivial if you did it. But it's a little bit like, ah, f*** you, I should be able to run through this guy's legs. Like, I can clearly see I can. <laughs> sure thing. And there was another, one other piece of scenery where um, it was kind of like a few poles sticking out the ground. But if you run into a, it at a certain angle, it, you can see that it's a rectangle. 
but it's just see-through. So you're running into air and you can't move. There's a few little things like that where it's a bit like... A bit lack of polish, maybe. A little bit, or maybe you probably didn't expect people to try and do this. Like, because I was running around it to try and like get an enemy to sort of turn their back so I could sneak attack them because I had no health. So... It's very, it's being very nitpicky, but I have to mention it because especially that boss one when you couldn't run through his legs, that pissed me off a lot. I would have done that boss a lot f***ing quicker because that was a wall, man. Literally, an invisible wall. Yeah, literally an invisible wall, yeah. Um, but other than that, this game's excellent. Uh, thoroughly recommend it to any fans of Souls Likes, any fans of Bloodborne. Yeah, just buy it. It's brilliant. But yes, with that glowing review of Liza P out the way, that is all I've played this week. So why don't we move on to the gaming news? So with our first news story this week, major Xbox leaks have come to light as part of the ongoing court case between Microsoft and the FTC. And when James says major, he means major. This is probably one of the most major game leaks in the history of gaming, certainly for Microsoft. Yeah, this is a biggie. (laughs) Understatement of the year. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So these unplanned leaks, which um, have clearly come from someone who's involved with the court case, which raises its own security concerns, but that's for another day. But these leaks include, but are not limited to, plans for a next-gen console with a potential release date in 2028, images of a discless Xbox Series X, Elder Scrolls VI being confirmed as a console exclusive, and for me, the most interesting one, Microsoft's interest in acquiring Nintendo, Warner Brothers, and even Valve if it ever became available. Calm down, Phil. You're getting a little ahead of yourself there, okay? (laughs) You're getting a little ahead of yourself if you think that Nintendo are just about to up and sell themselves to Microsoft. Well, no, and Warner Brothers, who are sort of in bed with Sony, right? So it's a bit of a weird one, that. But, I mean, got to respect the moxie, I suppose. (laughs) I mean, a lot of these uh, these slides are about ambitions, aren't they? And... uh... I think that that's what we can definitely class that is. Ambitions. Ambitious ambitions. These all came from sort of leaked emails and uh, documents pertaining to the court case. Uh, And naturally, Xbox aren't happy that this confidential information has made it onto the internet. With uh, Phil Spencer himself addressing the leaks on social media by saying, We've seen the conversation around old emails and documents. It is hard to see our team's work shared in this way because so much has changed and there's so much to be excited about right now and in the future. We will share the real plans when we are ready. Basically saying, don't believe everything you read. Some of it might be old news. News is news. (laughs) If it's the first time I'm hearing about it, then it could be old news, but it's news to me. (laughs) Yeah. These documents don't just affect Microsoft either. So emails about the Nintendo Switch 2's power and capabilities have also surfaced thanks to this leak. This is obviously a still unannounced successor to the popular Nintendo Switch hybrid console. Expected to be released in 2024, but no official reveal has been made yet. So interesting stuff. It's like early reveal on that. So that one is actually news to me as of this episode. That's just another, another thing to add to this massive pile. Yeah, so I mean, there's all sorts going on here. Talk to me, Will. Uh, you know, obviously a saying it's one of the biggest things in gaming history in terms of leaks uh what do you make of all this well i'll first off start by saying that i definitely wouldn't want to be the guy that uh that uploaded these documents without properly uh, encrypting and securing them with a password because i think that <laughs> a lot of these files were just accessed via weaknesses in security that made them pretty easy to get hold of but to me i think that the 
most interesting thing here is some of the title release schedule that we see. Uh, the schedule starts off back in, uh, well, I mean, the initial start of the schedule is actually from 2020. That's when the first year starts. So that does give you a bit of an idea of about just how old this documentation is. It's probably around 2019, 2020. Uh, but some of the later stuff on that schedule is really interesting for me. So we've got hints of Dishonored Free. Uh, there's also an Elder Scrolls Online expansion coming in 2024, apparently according to this potentially out-of-date information. But some of the big titles on here that you'll be particularly interested if you're not already aware of this is the fact that a Fallout 3 and Elder Scrolls Oblivion remasters are on their way at some point. Yeah. <laughs> are you not that bothered about those titles? No, I couldn't give a shit about either of them, to be honest. I thought you liked Fallout 3. I loved Fallout 3, but I don't care about a remake or a remaster. I think I'd be quite happy to see those games brought up to speed with kind of Starfield level of facial animations and things like that. I think it'd be a really good way of revitalizing those games for new players, at least. I'd rather they did Fallout 5 rather than redoing Fallout Fallout 3, to be honest. Don't think we need a Fallout 3 remaster. And Oblivion, someone else is doing that in the Skyrim. <laughs> what does don't, it do don't, don't, don't bother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I think that these are. this is a really good way to make those titles modernised and more accessible to new players. I think that some of the uh, elements in Fallout 3, such as the less than great gunplay on consoles, uh, combined with some of the older systems in Oblivion, uh, I think that those are kind of a bit of a barrier to new players. And I think that this is a really good way for new players to kind of get the storyline of those games without necessarily having to deal with some of the older systems, provided that they do actually update these. I assume this is a remaster, meaning that they'll also revise some of the uh, the skill trees and things in the game as well. Who knows? Uh, some other interesting news here was that they actually initially slated Elder Scrolls 6 for release in 2024. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which seems, we were talking about uh, ambitions, that seems like one of the biggest ones there as well. Uh, considering now that it's slated for at the very, very, very earliest 2026. Uh, so. Yeah, and, that, and that's being optimistic. Yeah, absolutely. This is yeah, we're looking more at 2027 as being a much more kind of reasonable expectation. Maybe even a lot further out than that. Yeah, yeah who knows? Uh, you know, they need to take the, as much time as they need. Don't rush. Uh, the other thing that had me quite interested was the design of this new Xbox Series X refresh console, codenamed the Brooklyn, which appears to just be like a large oval-shaped cylinder that stands up. So they've kind of gone back on their very boxy Xbox Series X design and they've gone for like a rounded dark console this time. Almost the complete reversal on the design of the console that they had previously. Yeah, I'm struggling to picture that, to be honest, an oval cylinder. So imagine this, James. Uh, you take a piece of toilet roll and you step on it lightly and then you stand it up on its end. And uh, that's okay. pretty much the shape that I'm describing. That actually, like, I, I know exactly what you mean. That's a really perfect description. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so they basically, like, they, they got a Series X and just stood on the corner of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they rounded out all the edges and just stood on it a bit, yeah. Okay, fair. <laughs> and is that for the discless version that was mentioned at the top of the article? Yeah, so that is the uh, entirely Project digital Brooklyn. version. Yeah, Project Brooklyn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You see, that one's a weird one to me because I thought that was like sort of openly part of the roadmap when it released. Or was that only for the S? The Series S, do you mean? Yeah, because I know people that have a digital-only Series S and I'm pretty sure that came out like when they all came out. So is the X just an afterthought? Uh, yes, I believe so. So I think that that one is, is going to be running with the improved hardware of the X as opposed to having uh, the quite restrictive hardware from the Series S instead. Got yeah. So the other new stuff that I found quite interesting was that the new controller that uh, Xbox is going to be producing, codenamed Project Sebel, and it actually has precision haptic feedback and VCA haptics, which double as speakers, an accelerometer, 
So this is kind of suddenly going into PlayStation controller territory now, where we're having much more defined vibrations, precision haptic feedback, and then even an accelerometer in the controller. It'll be very interesting to see uh, if Microsoft finally crack that thing of getting third-party game makers, or at least their own studios, to consistently use those type of features in their games. It's always quite a gimmicky approach to me, and I don't think that it really has a, a huge place in, in serious games. But it's just interesting that Microsoft has finally made that leap in terms of controller tech. Yeah, not something that interests me in the slightest, because as I think I've mentioned on podcasts before, certainly to you, I always turn vibration and stuff off. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Doesn't interest me, but very cool. Um, and obviously a reaction to Sony's controller, which uh, by all accounts is very, very, very impressive at what it does in that regard. I've yet to lay hands on that controller yet, but I would love to check it out. I'm really quite interested to see just what uh, the pulling of a trigger feels like on that haptic feedback. Yeah, you see, I felt that. It's it, it's interesting. It doesn't To me, it didn't affect the gameplay at all. It was a nice feature, but it's a gimmick, as you say. Ultimately, if you're playing uh, something like a multiplayer version, I can't imagine myself ever wanting anything like that to be taking the game seriously. But it's definitely something that I think I would feel and enjoy the novelty of during a campaign mode yeah for sure and especially if when you first got it and you're looking out for it and it's all new and exciting i imagine it's great but as we've both agreed man this is an absolutely massive leak did you have anything else that kind of jumped out to you uh nothing that i haven't already mentioned to be honest man the thing that really jumped out to me the most was potential interest in acquiring nintendo warner brothers and potentially valve obviously they've they've got previous with the amount of studios they buy up and obviously bethesda and activision blizzard huge names in that regard but nintendo warner brothers and Valve are completely different kettles of fish. So, as I mentioned, I, I respect the moxie, I respect the ambition, but that is just super interesting to me. Like, can you imagine Nintendo being owned by an American company? I consider that question blasphemous. I no, no, I can't. Yeah, like, that's, that's crazy. That's the thing. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the other two I could see, but like, <laughs> no, Nintendo being owned by Microsoft, that just is an odd sort of juxtaposition in my head. Uh, I guess there's no reason to be against it. It's just for me, it's a represent, it would just be uh, a complete about turn for Nintendo in terms of yeah. the fact that they've sustained their independence in the market for so long. Yeah, and continue to thrive in doing so. So, yeah. Well, we say that they're thriving, Will. Our second news story might actually have some information to the contrary of that because the recent Mortal Kombat 1 Switch port is a load of trash. Oh, God, news of that Switch 2 is more desperately needed than ever, it sounds like. <laughs> well, I think, I think you're probably right because despite sitting on a mostly positive score on Steam and receiving praise from sections of the diehard fan base, the Mortal Kombat 1, this is, the Switch port has been described as being potato quality that's generous with multiple game breaking bugs and half finished fatalities now i can't speak so much to the half finished fatalities but some of the game breaking bugs i've heard about are things like you try and move your character forward and the camera zooms in you try and move your character backwards the camera zooms out and no movement actually takes place right not even any steps forward it just just not keeps anything on zooming in. very weird just keeps on zooming in yep i've also heard things such as such bad input lag that you're sort of losing half your health bar before you hit the first punch. All right, okay, yeah. Hardware is struggling. And things of that nature. Yeah, it basically all comes down to the fact that the hardware, it just isn't suitable. Even with all of these mitigations in place to even get it on this, it's pretty wild that the Switch can, you know, still within potato quality, but it can manage to somehow run The Witcher 3. But then it struggles with a uh, a sort of a, a 3D fighting game. Yeah, I, I think it, what it probably comes down to is The Witcher 3 came out in 2015. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've, they've worked out things since then. But I think just in terms of scope of the game, it's interesting that you've got on one hand uh, a fighting game featuring two player models in an arena. On the other one, you have a 
massively open world game. No, you're not wrong. And uh, it's actually even worse than that because this is coupled with the fact that the Switch port, at the time of recording at least, doesn't include the single player invasions mode. So it's running like Dross and isn't even the full game, basically. Right, okay. And this has naturally left Switch players disappointed given that this mode is available on all other platforms. Uh, so this was the mode that when we were speaking about the game, it's kind of like a Mario Party-esque style board game type mode. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, which we briefly mentioned in a previous episode. Go check it out if you want more details. Um, but yeah, a bit of a shit show this. And it's so bad that even Ed Boon has admitted that the game is not in a state that he would like to be in, saying to the BBC that the port will absolutely be getting an update and a number of the concerns of the issues that have come up will absolutely be addressed. It would have been ideal for us to have released the version that we absolutely wanted, but anything that we're finding a problem with is on our list and is going to be fixed. Anything that we see that is not acceptable will absolutely be addressed. So he said absolutely and addressed a lot in that quote. He did, yeah, yeah. But but this has also been doubled down on by Warner Brothers, who have also commented on the missing features, stating that this will be addressed in the coming weeks. Complete clusterfuck around this, Will. So it's interesting there that uh, Ed has mentioned, and, and he's right to come out with a statement saying that he's openly not happy with the current state of it on the Switch. I think that doing anything else would, uh, would seem quite naive and arrogant. Well, just being in denial, it would be, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and here he says that anything that we see is not acceptable so obviously you can imagine that the thing that i would think that they were prioritizing was getting the game to feel good to address some of the bugs some of the things that i'm less confident that they'll fix is some of the really poor graphics in the game on the switch specifically that is oh it look the game looks phenomenal on modern day consoles and modern day yeah, hardware yeah. where the issue is is absolutely on the switch port because it feels like they've kind of just turned off facial animations <laughs> and stuff like that which is incredibly jarring especially seeing as this game has a lot of emphasis emphasis on the camera zooming right in on players as they get punched directly in the face and stuff like that yeah exactly so when you compare some of these x-ray moves and fatality moves uh you have one which looks like a very realistic face that has clear texture to it clear physics to it the skin is separate from the bone structure for instance and then you have yeah. a switch version where it looks like you're playing a playstation 2 game uh where there are almost no physics going on whatsoever they have had to turn off so many bells and whistles to get this to work on the switch that you almost wonder whether it was even worth it. Yeah, and uh, can I just say to all our listeners, Will is not being like hyperbolic there, or like he's not making it up. I've, I have seen PS2 games that look better than some of the screenshots I've seen. Yeah, it seems like they've even like turned off eyelids on some of the characters. Like yeah. they can't even blink; the eyes are just wide open. Um, they look comparable to some of the worst examples I've seen of Starfield's NPCs. <laughs> it, you know, it's just mind-boggling. Yeah, and I saw one screenshot that um, what was that Halo character that everyone was like having a massive go out when halo infinite sort of first started so it was a brute kind of looks, it was it was a halo yeah it was like character. an orky brute guy yeah like one of the characters i've seen looks like that dude like that's the sort of level we're talking about that dude but with more pixels <laughs> yeah that guy with more pixels less polygons and absolutely no facial animations whatsoever yeah it's crazy like do yourselves a favor listeners go like google image some side-by-side -side comparisons of what it looks like on a playstation 5 or a pc for example and then what it looks like on the switch it is atrocious it really is and the fact that it's running like balls as well just not good this is the biggest issue for me here honestly i think that the game on itself if you actually had it running well without the bugs without the game breaking issues i think that in terms of all of that the game would still be worth people's time because ultimately at the end of the day with these fighting games people aren't playing them for the graphics it's a sad state of affairs that they have to as i said before take off and remove all of these bells and whistles yeah. that they have on the 
the standard release, for instance, for the rest of the consoles and PC. But I think that that's kind of just a sign of just how much the Switch hardware struggles to get this running. Optimization's probably a bitch for this game as well. So I can see all of those things contributing to that. I'm less bothered by the graphics. It's disappointing, and I almost feel like they put mortal Kombat on the switch because it has a precedent of having mortal Kombat on the switch it's had previous titles that actually look and run better than this current title it's just the fact that because they progressed the tech so much forward it takes that much more work to bring it back to work on the switch and i think that's really where the difference is there yeah and i think the other thing that people are finding particularly egregious about the whole thing is it's a 70 pound game on the switch yeah i mean it's a triple a pricing but and, and again I, I i i don't really see that as an issue but it has to be a solid working game the graphics that's um, what i, I mean forgive, yeah. but yeah if you're releasing this at a triple a price you expect triple a release and sheen again it's another sad state of affairs that you can't count on that anymore no and uh and i feel like given the performance on other consoles is fine this isn't so much a uh, an issue with the game itself this is an issue again with optimization and frankly outdated hardware um so yeah maybe they should even look at reviewing the price for the switch as if that's ever going to happen no basically what we're saying is uh, nintendo buck up your ideas otherwise microsoft will buy you (laughs) and they will give you a better console that has more power that these games can actually run on get your together nintendo do you want phil spencer ordering you round? because that's how you get phil spencer ordering you round. exactly do you want to be calling him spencer sam no (laughs) didn't think so nobody wants that And in our final news story this week, it's not all doom and gloom. We do have a slight positive ray here. Call of Duty is getting open world zombies mode, Will. Ooh, exciting news. Well, exciting news for Call of Duty zombies fans. I kind of count myself amongst that crowd. This is cool to me, at least. Yeah, interesting news for sure. So Sledgehammer have confirmed that Modern Warfare 3 will be getting a new open world version of Zombies mode that will continue the Dark Aether saga which began in Call of Duty Vanguard and continued in Black Ops Cold War, with Viktor Sakaev serving as the main antagonist leading a group known as Terminus Outcomes. This is a somewhat drastic change to previous iterations of the mode, which have typically been smaller, more contained maps, such as defending a two-story house, boarding up windows and things like that. Um, Will, you've probably got more experience in these things than I have. Uh, Is that a fair statement? Have there been many deviations from that sort of formula? Um... There, there have in a sense i mean I, I don't want to sound too nitpicky but the the modes have drastically grown beyond just defending a single building now um the size of the maps has gotten very large they put you in space at various points floating between a okay. space station with anti-gravity um the amount of different power-ups and perks and specialized guns that you can get you can get things like laser gatling guns and alien blaster <laughs> pistols and things and they have had a, a kind of a consistent storyline going through. It's something that I've kind of watched from afar with quite keen interest, but I've personally found the challenge of actually completing these maps has gotten very hard to manage. It's come a long, long way since those two floor houses where occasionally you might have to open up a new way, a new route through to get through the map. It now involves things like powering up generators to open special doors to finally get like an escape vehicle to get out of there. These are now completable levels rather than just an endless thing. So yeah, there's a whole dedicated thing around this and there's a a whole dedicated fan base around this that I I have a funny feeling don't have a great crossover into the Call of Duty multiplayer and Warzone and things like that. I think there is a very dedicated Call of Duty zombies crowd out there that is probably really excited by this news. Well, I guess only time will tell. Um, So this reveal was actually made during a recent trailer for the game, with Sledgehammer stating that this will be the largest Call of Duty Zombies map ever, which, if what Will's just said there is anything to go by, is going to be pretty f***ing big, especially given it's open world. 
And uh, the trailer also confirmed that Soap and Kate Laswell will be present representing Task Force 141 as part of this mode. There'll be the initial characters, but there will be a lot more, no doubt. Oh yeah, for sure. I can't I can't imagine that there wouldn't be more than two characters, especially in an open world mode. Will there be Call of Duty Zombies original characters, though? That's the, that's the real question. DLC or unlockable skins, anything Activision can monetize, baby. <laughs> yeah, they'll do it. <laughs> Here comes the money! So it remains to be seen how this change will go down with the fan base. I know a few people that have really enjoyed the traditional zombies mode. Um, so I'll be interested to get their thoughts on it. But uh, based on what you've said, um, hey, potentially this is something they've been clamoring for. Who knows? But I thought it was quite interesting. Yeah, it's something that is definitely worth being hopeful for. It'll be very interesting to see how that formula works out of an open world style game because of kind of the saturation of open world zombie games that there are out there. Obviously, Call of Duty is going to have its own spin on it. But a lot of the previous gameplay for these things was very structured in terms of the way that you'd progress through the level. It'll be interesting to see how they manage to handle that and route that in an open world environment. You know, I would kind of uh, liken this to taking a very linear game and turning it into an open world type of thing. Not all of those systems are going to work as well in a wide environment. Yeah. And uh, I think that that'll be, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see just how they manage all of that. Well, and to be honest, based on what you said about how the game modes have evolved that I wasn't aware of, it might just be a case of where you've got, you say you had that level where you have to power up the generator to get the car running to leave to the next area maybe that's just all on one single map now so you still have yeah, random just events like between that large bases that makes a lot of sense yeah. yeah so maybe it's like that but uh we'll see when it comes out i guess not too long now right not too long at all no so with that ray of hope in an otherwise desolate sea of negativity in the news this week we do come to the end of the news so i think it's about time to move on to the a game's challenge So, for my games challenge this week, Will set me the task of loot, beg, borrow, or steal a full armor set. Uh, doesn't have to be matching, it's just equip all, all slots in Minecraft with um, a couple of extra rules. I'm not allowed to craft anything, not allowed to be online, no creative mode, and uh, no funky cheats or anything like that. Yeah, no flying, no forever inventory, blah blah blah. Yeah. I don't even know what a forever inventory is. Uh, it's not called that, but it just basically means that, as you're probably aware in this game, when you die, you drop your inventory. Oh, yeah. I, I saw the checkbox. It's like, um, uh, keep inventory on death. Or whatever. Yeah, that's. I would class that as a cheat, yeah. No, no. Well, I, you, you please know I unchecked all that shit. Good, so, good so, I, so I didn't have, like, um, fucking, what is it? instant regen i think was one of them they've added in all sorts of measures along the way to make this game a lot more accessible and kind of child friendly i would say as well yeah i think so i think that's fair um so as a result i will give you the basic stats of every single mode that i did here because um that mode's probably not the right way but i was playing it on the xbox one edition yep yep i used the random seed every single time nice nice and uh i picked small biomes for everything because ah, i thought that, that would give me the uh, biggest range of biomes and then what i was doing was um i i sort of as my scouting run let's say i started on what's called the classic map which i think is the smallest map size you can have yeah uh, the options were classic small medium large so i don't i don't really know what the difference is um and will off pod when you set me the challenge uh, we had a little joke about wouldn't it be funny if i just did this first go <laughs> oh yeah yes yeah yeah well will i'm pleased to tell you i didn't quite get it first go but i did get three items in the first round including oh, three damn. helmets three helmets three legs helmets. and boots three helmets legs and boots god damn yeah. how did you manage that so quick uh so um if i remember correctly because i haven't written down everything for this run um i think i got 
one chest had a helmet in it. One chest had the legs and boots in it together. Oh, great. Okay. And then um, the other two helmets I found were actually what is going to be a staple of most of the runs I did here, um, which is you can actually wear pumpkins as a helmet. You can. Yes, absolutely. And pumpkins were pretty much omnipresent in every single run I had. So a lot of runs that I did here have one item. And more often than not, that one item will have been a helmet because I found a pumpkin. Sure and if thing, I didn't yeah. find a pumpkin, more often than not in random chests littered throughout various mansions or villages or whatever, I'd find pumpkin seeds so i always had the option to grow a pumpkin nice yeah it wasn't you know didn't always happen i do have a couple of uh, zeros in there but yeah so um i was actually uh sort of pumped by this really three items in the first go oh, this isn't going to take me very long is it jeez <laughs> i did say last week that that fourth item's going to be the one you did gets, yeah <laughs> you did and to be honest this probably put me in a slight false sense of security because my tactic from then on was just to reload a random seed and just f***ing run around the map, finding villages, finding mansions, searching them, and sort of seeing what went down. Yeah, yeah. Just So basically I spent 95% of my playing time throughout this challenge running. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right, yeah. I, I suppose seeing as you couldn't craft anything, uh, exactly. you can't craft yourself any armor, you can't craft yourself no. a weapon, so <laughs> you've got to find a weapon uh, if you do find one at all. So yeah, I can imagine a lot of running towards and a lot of running away. Uh, a lot more running towards. <laughs> Honestly, um, I'll, I'll say this off the bat, enemies and things like that really weren't a factor in this. As long as you can keep some distance, they're not too bad. No, and, and I don't know if it's because I was playing on the Xbox version, but I think the respawn, like the spawning limit is a little smaller because the Xbox can't handle it as much as a PC would be able to. So I, if I got away from enemies, typically I'd turn back and they'd be gone. Right, yeah, yeah. Like there was no issues there. So like... I can't even think of one encounter where it was even a thing. Like, I, I don't even think I saw a creeper. Like, genuinely. It, I just I was just running. <laughs> I think if you kept on the move, that's a very good way to avoid the creepers. They, they yeah. as their name suggests, like to creep up on you. But if you're constantly on the move, you're always going to outpace them. Yeah, exactly. And you can outrun the zombies and skeletons and things like that quite easily. So I think you can outwalk them even, really, can't you? Probably, a straight yeah. line, a straight flat plane. Exactly. Uh, and another thing that I probably should have mentioned at the top of the show, just for a bit of fun, because uh, I am playing on the Xbox version, and this is a version that I got, like, f***ing years ago. I actually had two custom skins on there that I must have bought or something. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> nice. I had the Grim Reaper, and I had uh, Saren from Mass Effect. Oh, cool, okay. Who yeah, knew? Yeah. So there you go. But as I say, this put me in a slight full sense of security. There may well have been better ways to do this. But uh, no, I, I just did this. Just ran around and searched for stuff, man. And the only change I really made for attempt two was I tried a large map. Okay. I thought, yeah. will having the large map with plenty of small biomes on it give me more chances of spawning a village, which was typically the thing I'd look for the most, because a blacksmith's chest in a village uh, could have up to three pieces of armor in it. Yeah, yeah. So you want that shit. And if not, it might have a weapon, might have a tool, useful things. And in this large map, my, fir my first one, I actually found two items. I found a chest piece and a helmet. So based on that, I pretty much from this point onwards used classic map only, because it was a lot quicker basically and i was finding that regardless of the map size typically there'd only ever be two villages a map right yeah so i think that choosing the the larger map essentially just kind of spreads your biomes out more i don't think that increases the density so um you were probably right to stick with your small map in yeah. terms of keeping that density high less ground to cover purely for that reason well yeah it, it changed an, an attempt from being probably an hour an hour and 15 on a large map to yeah. half hour 40 minutes so it's a massive increase 
And uh, yeah, so with that decision made, I did try one more large map further down the line, but basically from this point on, classic maps. That's what we're going for. Yeah, yeah. Run three, however, was very disappointing. This happened a few times in this challenge, and it's bound to happen with random seeds. I, I spawned a seed that was uh, 90% water. <laughs> Next to useless, right? Okay. So um, very quickly, I just reset. I was like, no. I, I ran around for five minutes and it was all just water. And I was like, no, this is a crap <laughs> seed. Reset straight away. Counted it as an attempt, but just reset. So that was a shame. Instant resets are never nice. But on we trudge. And this is where I started doubting myself, Will, because for the next few runs I had one item, two items, one item, one item, reset. Right, okay. You know, and I was exploring the whole map here now. I, I can't lie, I was um I was I was a little getting a little worried that you were gonna just blast through this challenge given how you started off with the uh the recollection yeah. of events. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of a little bit relieved to hear that you struggled a bit, so I gotta say. <laughs> oh yeah, no, dude. I didn't get more than two items until attempt ten. Right, right. And and attempt ten was another three itemer um with uh, helmet armor and then i found two sets of legs just those pesky boots i was missing ah oh, those pesky pesky boots yeah and uh yeah it's it's not nice when that happens you get all excited you find the last blacksmith's chest in the village you're like this is gonna be my boots i'm gonna do it <laughs> and alas it wasn't there but uh hey these things happen you gotta have some disappointment and uh, attempt 11 was another two itemer, helmet and boots. And whenever I'm saying helmet, as I've already mentioned, it's going to be a pumpkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically the one thing you could bank on. Until we get to attempt 12. I had my first zero on attempt 12, Will. I explored the whole map. Oh, damn. Every chest I found, just weapons, just iron bars and shit, all useless to me. Just the dud seed. Yeah, and I didn't find a pumpkin growing anywhere. So, happened a couple of times, as I say. And that was instantly followed up with another shit seed reset. <laughs> Just ocean again, or...? Yeah, yeah, whenever I had a shit seed reset, it was all, like, 90% water maps. Right, 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 right. 90% is a huge exaggeration, of course, but, like, basically the top half of the map would be water. Yeah, and I think in that circumstance, your only real option, if you were to even pursue that, would maybe to look for shipwrecks. Because there are underwater shipwrecks that you can find. But again, really? that, that that would sort of, yeah, that would then require you to just be scouring for underwater shipwrecks for all the time whilst swimming. So, yeah, I don't know whether that would be how you'd want to play. It may have been viable. Uh, I don't really know. The would have been slow, though, right? Items on shipwrecks. It would have been slow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you may well have found that your time was better spent resetting the seed to something with land. Yeah, exactly. So at this point, I will say that... Uh, my main success in finding items outside of the pumpkins that could be grown anywhere was uh, blacksmith chests in villages, as I've already stated. That's right. And these were incredibly frustrating because uh, some villages would spawn without a f***ing blacksmith. Yeah, it happens, yeah. It really annoyed me. It happens more often than not, if yep. I'm being honest yep. with you. Um, and the other place where you could occasionally find armor, it was very rare, but you could find chests in the big old mansion-y castle things that are sort of dotted around. And full of sort of wizards and evil NPCs. Yeah, and in rooms with cats and dogs in them like village <laughs> villager faces and the walls and stuff like that yeah they've taken quite a bit of time to model characters out of the building blocks in the game it's cool yeah it's quite neat yeah and uh, occasionally you'd find sets of chainmail armor in there which i, I believe can only be found in these castles other, right, unless okay. you ch unless you hack them in i don't think you can build them yeah i'm not familiar with the game enough to know but i i've, I've come across them before never crafted them but they were very rare very rare indeed i think i only found chainmail stuff 
in two or three attempts. It was very rare indeed. Most of the things I found were iron. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of probably next to leather is the most common resource. I never found a leather thing. Did you not? I, leather stuff is, to me at least, the most kind of commonly spawning thing. Yeah, no, it was all iron, dude. I, I never found any leather. So yeah, that, that was mainly where I was getting my stuff from. Uh, there are other ways to get stuff. I know that you can trade with villagers to get various things, but don't know if it was just bad luck. Don't know if I was just uh, being maybe a little bit too rushy, but I, you know, I never found a villager that would uh, offer to sell me a piece of armor. Yeah, so there is a dedicated blacksmith NPC in the game, but as you said, if you don't encounter one, or if you encounter a village without a blacksmith, then you're kind of scuppered there. And even then, they do require emeralds to buy. Did you come across any emeralds while you were playing? Uh, I think I found a couple in chests occasionally, and the others were sort of, uh, you can trade um, like animal skins for emeralds, or you can That's trade right, yeah. paper, or you can trade wood, or whatever yeah. Very rare I found them in the world, though. Yeah, I think they have a similar rarity as Diamond, and I did actually count it up. I did some research on this just to make sure that I wasn't handing you an easy win if it was like four emeralds. I think you need something like 20 plus emeralds to afford a full armor set, uh, which would by no means be easy to get. Um, so no, no. Again, God, no. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a, a part of the factoring in of the difficulty of this challenge. But on the other hand, if you were three pieces deep and you just needed that magical fourth piece, then that could have been your saver. Well, you say that, man. I had the zero. I had a reset. My next one was one item, which was a helmet. My next one was a reset. I then had one, 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 zero, one, two, Oh my two, God, you got worse. Two, Ooh, one, we're going up. One. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, we're crazy. That's a lot of attempts, man. It sounds like you really put some time into game. Oh no, so dude, dude, so we get to attempt 25. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm not saying that like this has anything to do with you, but Mike, a fair play to you, bro, for putting in this effort. <laughs> I know, I know. You were putting in the work this week, huh? <laughs> hey, man, I, I've got a title to defend, dude. I really wanted to get this done. And uh, I'm disappointed, man. Attempt 25, uh, three items. I got the helmet, armor, and legs. A boot's like the rarest item in this game or something. They must be. It, it seems like you've you've tested that now. You know, honestly, I think legs were probably the rarest overall. Oh, right. Yeah, fair play. Like, if, I, if I'm being honest. But, uh, but man, f***ing after all those ones and zeros and then to get a three. <laughs> also, if I remember correctly, it was an early three as well. It was like I found the village. I got two straight away. Then I found a pumpkin. I'm like, oh, shit. We've got three <laughs> and I've barely explored the map and then found another village. No blacksmith. I found a castle. Nothing in it. Man, I, I was gutted. But I soldiered on. We're going to attempt 26. And blow me down, Will. I'm very pleased to say that attempt 26 was where I won the challenge, my friend. Nice, man. God damn. Well, I definitely can't say you didn't deserve it because, my God, that is a lot of work that you put in. Congratulations, man. Tell me how it came to be. So, attempt 26. Classic map. The usual strats ensue. Oh, man. So... <laughs> It started off terribly. All right. Okay. Like terribly. I spawned on the side of a mountain. So, so another thing I probably should mention at the top, your spawn point's completely random. I once spawned in the middle of the ocean. I once spawned on the side of a mountain as in here. I once spawned in a valley that took me fucking forever to get out of. <laughs> Dense forests can be pretty much anything. Yeah. And the other thing about these random seas as well is you get blocks just floating in the air randomly sometimes. Very funny. Yeah, due to the kind of random procedurally generated nature of the game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and occasionally you'd have trees growing inside buildings. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. But no, so, so I spawned on the side of a mountain and uh, I was like, well, fuck, this isn't going to be good. But hey, let, let's crack on. And uh, pretty much straight away I found a mansion. So okay, I was like, okay, start. sweet. This is an awesome start. 
and I actually got a very, very rare double chest piece in the first mansion. I found two pieces of chainmail armor, both chest pieces in the same chest. Okay, okay. Great start. Great start. Couldn't have been happier. And not only that, the next sort of major landmark I found was a second mansion. Oh, right. Okay, okay. Yeah. Damn, we're really rolling lucky. I mean, I, I say you're rolling lucky with this. This is your 26th attempt at this point. Exactly, but, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, Like, statistically, you deserved this win with the amount of attempts <laughs> that you took. <laughs> yeah, and uh, in this uh, second mansion, uh, there was actually nothing particularly useful, sadly. Oh, okay, okay. The only thing I did get out of it was um, an emergency set of pumpkin seeds, okay. which I always <laughs> right, like to have yeah. in my inventory just in case. Because if I got all the other three bits and the last thing I needed was a fucking helmet, at least then I could again grow a pumpkin and win, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But So I had a great start. The second mansion, honestly, it dropped me down again. I was back to sort of being a little bit... Lost faith in this run. A little Preparing bit. yourself for run 27. But then I found the single best village I found in all attempts. Lovely little village tucked away in some snow. Okay, okay. And I mentioned earlier that I never found a single villager that would trade me any pieces of armour. This was the one time I found a villager who would trade me some leather leggings for three emeralds. <sighs> okay. Damn, that's good. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good pretty good premium there. Pretty good indeed. So I found this and I was like, okay, sweet. Let's explore the rest of the map. Remember where this village is. It was in the top right hand corner of the map, very easy. Let's remember where this village is. Let's go search the rest of the map, see if I find anything, and fuck me if I can get to a point where I just need trousers, we're in business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it only trousers that he sold, by the way? Did he only sell trousers. Other... Okay, okay. No, it was, it was trousers, and uh, I think I could... He had two things that he would give me emeralds for, and then he would sell me trousers for emeralds. I can't right. remember what it was, though. Right. So then I found a second village, and it had a blacksmith. Went into the chest, and there were some boots. Iron oh, boots, these okay. were. The elusive iron boots already ticked off. Exactly. So I'm now rocking chest and boots. With potential pumpkin helmet. With potential pumpkin helmet and some trousers that I knew I could trade for. Yeah. Let the emerald hunt commence. <laughs> so, well, funnily enough, I have written in my notes in massive caps, HUNTING TRIP! <laughs> yeah. Because in the, in the snow village I mentioned earlier, there was another NPC who would give me emeralds for leather, raw pork, and raw chicken. Ooh. Very good. Very good. Okay. Literally, yeah. Time to uh, go hunt some livestock. And bear in mind as well, in the same chest that I found the boots in, I also got an iron sword. Very good. Very which good. Which is a very nice weapon. So I was now fucking going around killing every single chicken, every single cow, every horse, every <laughs> fucking wolf, any animal I could find. <laughs> Just killing spree at this point. In case it gave me leather and meat and stuff. And during my hunting trips, I found a pumpkin in the wild. So I now oh, didn't brilliant. even have to grow my pumpkin. I had it. So I actually, this was actually quite a sizable hunting trip in the end because I needed like 14 pieces of pork, 14 raw chickens and like 14 leather. Right, yeah. So it took, yeah. took me a bit of time. Went around the map a couple of times because thankfully these uh, animals and stuff, they do respawn. Yeah, fairly consistently. Yeah, yeah. And eventually, Will, I found enough resources. I traded for my three emeralds. I got my trousers. And there it was. I equipped everything and we win. So the final loadout was a pumpkin head, 
chainmail <laughs> armor, some iron boots, and some leather trousers. Amazing. Well, honestly, that sounds like you couldn't have done it any better as well. It all fell into place in that final run, dude. It all fell into place. Yeah, the stars aligned for you. And uh, and as I've said before, you know, there is no way that anyone could say that you didn't deserve it after 26th honest attempt. Yeah, They're trying exactly. to get this one in, man. Congrats on the win. This was truly deserved. Well done. Thank you very much, mate. So for full stats, 26 attempts, 4 resets, 2 zero pieces. Uh, probably 11 to 13 hours in total, give or take. Some of that will have been idling, but give or take. I'm really pleased as well, based on what you've told me about this challenge. It definitely had the intended effect, which was to get you to engage and kind of discover some of the systems in the game that you might not immediately bump into, which is obviously mining and crafting. Uh, it sounds like you spent very little time doing both of those things. Uh, and I'm, I'm really pleased that you, you know, engaged with the game enough that you figured out these things, figured out the spawning points, chests yeah. that you can loot. And uh, would you say that this has kind of opened up your eyes to how much the game's moved on from just your regular block building, digging holes sim? Uh, I'd say yes, to be fair. I mean, I was aware of things that have happened in the more recent years like the ender dragon and like sort of yeah. it being more of an rpg and things but to actually experience it more it was very interesting and as i said i didn't really encounter enemies too much but there was enough of them that i had to sort of think on my toes and have yeah. to and i had to root accordingly and what was nice is the only times i was like mining blocks if you like was just so i could use them to get out of holes or yeah, yeah. so i was just like i had like 20 dirt on me at any one point That's just in case i needed to, to jump up exactly but yeah this it, at times this was grindy i won't lie 26 attempts later i i can't say i disagree with that at all <laughs> but i weirdly enjoyed the treasure hunt of it yeah Brilliant. That's exactly what this was. It's a treasure hunt. Yeah. Yeah. So no, very fun. Very like nostalgic in a way. Mm, I never mm. really like played Minecraft a lot, but it was nice to be back in that world. Mm, yeah. And yeah, just an all round good time, mate. So thank you very much for that challenge. And it does, of course, mean, does, of course, mean that my nose is now back in front again. 2-1. <laughs> I just need my opportunity, man. Let's equalize for next week. I was going to say, and it also means that it's time for Will to be set his challenge for this week. Oh, what have you got in store for me now? I hope this is one that you'll really like. Okay. So, Will, your challenge this week is going to be in Monster Hunter Rise. Oh, okay. Already a big fan of this challenge. Honestly, I almost put that in literally like a few days ago. So, yeah, no, this is right up my street already. And your challenge is going to be... I would like you to defeat the initial six arena quests with at least three S ranks. Okay, man. That definitely sounds like something I'm going to need to do some research into figuring out how to get those. Because, uh, yeah, this is honestly something that uh, I've never actually even really attempted in Monster Hunter, but I'm looking forward to the challenge, i got to say. So I will give you a brief rundown. The arena mode in Monster Hunter Rise works kind of similarly to how it worked in Monster Hunter World. You go to a certain NPC and you get arena quests and what they do is they give you random armor and you can pick between one I think it's one to six different weapon types and armor sets okay and you have to use that and you get given various challenges and you get given time limits for said challenges and you have I think infinite time to do it I might be incorrect about that it might be the usual sort of 20 minutes half an hour type jobby yeah sure thing. but an A rank might be finish it in four minutes. An S rank might be finish it in two and a half minutes, for example. Okay, so this is a uh, this is really mostly focused on how quickly you can defeat these enemies. Then, well, for half of them, as I say, there's six challenges in total for the initial ones. I'm not giving you master rank. 
These are these are just hunter level one through seven, I think. Fine. Okay. Which you basically should be at if you finish the game, which I think you said on a previous episode of the pod you have. I have. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. So you should be there or thereabouts, and uh, they vary in difficulty, which is why I've said if you can get three of them to S rank. It gives you that added bonus of you could do all six and then you could say, right, I'm going to focus on these three and try and get the S time. So there you go. I hope you have fun with it. I, I really think that you'll enjoy it. I know you love the game. And I think the fact that it pits you with different weapons that you might not be used to or that you might have wanted to try out for ages but have never got around to it. So yeah. Have at it, man. I hope you have a good time with it. Awesome, man. I'm already looking forward to completing this one or at least giving it my best shot. And uh, yeah, I'll be back next week with news of how I got on. And with that, we come to the end of another episode. If you've enjoyed what you've listened to, you can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on X by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on X, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on X at Mr. Bames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore TPM. And please do go to those social media platforms, give us a good old five-star rating, smash that like button on our YouTube videos, engage, comment, we'd love to hear from you, and it's the best way to support the channel, so it really means a lot to us. And with that, we come to the end of the episode. Until next week, goodbye now. Bye, guys.